0: I am your host, Carrie Scollin, giving us different perspectives on where we are and where we want to go on our journey. Thanks for being here, and I look forward to spending some time with you. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another session of the Founder Series. I am your host, Carrie Scullin, and today I am going to do a solo show. And I had originally planned on doing um, a show that I got some inspiration from and I asked for feedback for, and it was in regards to aging and how we feel about that. The more I dove in to the responses that I got, I realized that it was was a show that I wanted to do um, with a group of women. So today I'm going to put that one on hold as I want to dive a bit deeper into that. And I decided to bring you... um, A book that is extremely important to me is one that I have followed uh, for many years. And it is called The Gifts of Imperfection by Brené Brown. And it is all about uh, letting go of who you think you're supposed to be and embrace who you are. So Brené Brown in this book goes through 10 guideposts Uh, to help us along the uh, path to living a wholehearted uh, life. That is something that is important to me, something that I strive to do. And I'm just going to read to you uh, the first part of her book so I can explain to you what wholehearted living is. So wholehearted living is about engaging in our lives from a place of worthiness. It means cultivating the courage, compassion, and connection to wake up in the morning and think, no matter what gets done and how much is left undone, I am enough. It's going to bed at night thinking, yes, I am imperfect and vulnerable and sometimes afraid, but that doesn't change the truth that I am also brave and worthy of love and belonging. That's what wholehearted living is. That is what I strive for, to go to bed at night and wake up in the morning knowing that I'm enough. That's what this series is about. That is my message for women to embrace that they are more than enough. So I thought it was uh, just important to go through this book. I would love um, any of you that want to dive a little deeper into it to pick up a copy of it. Um, and I'm just going to go through some of the guideposts. Put my spin on how I interpret some of it, how I incorporate some of it into my life, and um, and then I'll walk you through the the guideposts that that she has, and she also has some um, um, tips and and some things to do along the way to help us. So wholehearted living is not something that um, is something that we just check off our list to get done. It is life work. It is soul work. It's digging deep. She has a lot of um, great ideas about how to dig deeper and it's something that we need to practice. So that's another thing that almost everything that I do or bring on here, it is all a practice. Um, The first thing that she talks about the, the first guidepost is cultivating authenticity and letting go of what people think. Wow. This is such a huge piece of where we get our worthiness from is worrying about what other people think of us. We've talked about this before. It is an ongoing topic that I don't think we will ever stop talking about. Um, But authenticity is not something that we have or don't have. It's something that we practice and it's, really authenticity is about being intentional of how we want to live how we want to show up who we are who we want to be and that's being authentic authentic sometimes gets in the way of how we feel again about how other people think of us so if our if we go into a situation with our goal being authentic it changes Because we are showing up who we are and we're not worrying about having the approval or the acceptance of other people. There is a huge responsibility on our part to know that we are never going to regret showing up in our authentic self if we know that's the place we're coming from with that intention of being truly who we are. So that is something to, it's something, like I said, to practice. It's something that is uncomfortable for a lot of people because we go in with that feeling of wanting to belong and wanting to be accepted. And when we think showing up as our true self means that we are not going to be accepted, that's not going to feel good. We go in knowing we are being authentic, and if they don't accept us, then that's on them, not on us. That's what we have to live with, that we showed up how we wanted to show up because that's who we are are, and that's who we are being. So it's not going into a situation to get approval and to be accepted, even though that is one of our very common um, needs is to be accepted. But if you are being authentic, that is slowly going to dissipate because we are being true to ourselves. And the most important person we need to be accepted and approved by is ourselves. So most of this work does come back to how we feel about ourselves. So that was the first guidepost, cultivating authenticity and letting go of what people think. Number two, these are all, I, I, I just love her guideposts because they are so... Um, I think it kind of boils back down to common sense. And sometimes we just need to take another look at it. That's what it shows us. So number two is cultivating self-compassion. Self-compassion. Another hard one for a lot of us to practice because it's about us. And as soon as we have to look inward, we think there's something we could be doing, something different because it's hard and it's uncomfortable to look at ourselves. That's... um, I'm going to say probably the hardest work out of this personal journeys that we're on or the paths that we're on is this is never about somebody else. This is always about us. So if we're feeling judged by somebody else, look why you're feeling that way. Don't worry about the other person. Look at yourself and why you're feeling that. And that's something that we need to um, either change our perspective on or be okay with, right? Somebody can judge me all they want. I have to be okay. That's their opinion and that's on them. Doesn't mean it makes me any worthier if they accept me or or not. I have to feel that way in myself. So the cultivating self-compassion, the letting go part is letting go of the perfectionism because perfectionism is the birthplace of perfectionism is actually shame so we want to be perfect we want to present ourselves in a way that we think people are going to um, think that we are enough almost every other part of this is knowing that we are enough which is another practice um, so perfectionism is is really really a self-destructive behavior it is an addictive behavior and um what I, what I love about it is it's a belief system that we've got. And the reason I love that is because every belief system that we have, we have the ability and the power to change it. So anything that we have believed so much in our core, that as we're taking a, a, a deeper look inwards to ourselves, we can change it. We have the power to change it. It does not need to stay that way forever. Forever belief systems have taken a long time to build up but we can change it and rebuild it or reprogram it if that's another way of saying it um perfectionism it's unattainable we are going to burn ourselves out when we are in that mode of always having to be perfect nobody's perfect it it is always comes back down to how we think we're being perceived once we can let go of that need for perfectionism we get down to the root of what the shame was that we feel and build on the practice of of knowing that we are enough that's when that perfectionism starts to fade away i can't say i had a lot of perfectionism um i've had shame but i don't know if it came out as perfectionism. I think my shame may have come out more in control. So the shame I had, I could um, cover it up by taking control of the situation. It didn't need to be perfect, but if I was the one that was in control of it, then it made it easier for me to cover up what my insecurities were and the shame that I had. So some people are... Absolutely perfectionists. And I honestly cannot imagine the stress of having that on me as well. Um, But it's there. People have it. So that is number two, cultivating self-compassion and letting go of perfectionism. One of the things that she said is a good practice to get into was when you wake up in the morning, just being able to say today, I'm going to believe that showing up is enough. That's enough. It's all I got to do today. That's how I feel when I come onto these shows. I've just got to show up. I'm going to bring you my best. It's not going to be perfect. But I know that by me showing up is I'm I'm enough as is showing up here. And that takes a lot of pressure off. Um, It takes a lot of pressure off me for sure when I can go into a situation knowing that as long as I'm showing up, that's good enough. Because we all looking back in any situation that we find ourselves in and if we have resentment or if we have some trauma or something from an event, we can always look and go, whether that's our parents or, um, or work or whatever, whatever it is that that's keeping you, there's something in you that needs to deal with that. If we can come from that self-compassion place, um, Knowing that they maybe showed up the best that they could in that situation as well with the tools that they had. And we give ourselves the self compassion, knowing that how we took that was the best we could take it in that moment as well. Doesn't mean it needs to stay that way, but compassion for yourself, compassion for others will help us move through that situation. So, compassion is huge. Um, number uh, three is, these are going to go by fast, aren't they? Number three is cultivating a resilient spirit and letting go of numbing and powerlessness. So hmm, this is an interesting one for me. I, um, the definition to me of resilience is, I think I've always Thought of it as being able to bounce back. You're resilient. Kids are resilient. They talk about that a lot. But sometimes being resilient is um, not being ashamed to ask for help. That's a piece of resiliency that um, we are able to come through a situation. And maybe we needed some help with that and we're not ashamed to ask for it. So being resilient is a very powerful um, feeling and the letting go of the numbing and the powerlessness. I was, I was, I found it interesting that she put this in as to cultivate a resilient spirit. You need to let go of numbing and powerlessness. I haven't kind of made that connection, but while I was reading it and, and deciding what I was going to talk to you guys about, I think it's very easy For me to understand what the numbing and the powerlessness is, because I feel that I live that, feel that I numbed a lot of my emotions um, by just staying busy. If I stayed busy, I didn't have to feel. And sometimes that's why a lot of us do stay busy. We don't want downtime. We don't want this, this moments where they say, just be still and listen to what when you are in that mode of um, not wanting to feel your emotions that you know are down there because you're scared and you don't want to deal with it, that's numbness. That also did make me feel very powerless. I didn't realize that at the time when I was putting the two things together. But being numb, staying numb was a comfort place for me. When I started to get out of that, I realized it wasn't a comfort place. It was actually an uncomfortable place because I wasn't dealing with anything. So I was so powerless when I recognized that I want to feel and some of these feelings are going to hurt and it's going to be hard, but I'm never going to get through them if I don't feel them. So that was an awareness moment for me was I need to start feeling these because Life is too short for me to go through feeling numb. And when I did that, I got my power back. So that's a a huge number three uh, guidepost. Number four. um, Interesting again, uh, it is cultivating gratitude and joy. I talk a lot about gratitude and joy. I talk about the fact that gratitude is my most... If you want to call it spiritual practice, call it whatever you want. Gratitude is something that I live my life by. Um, Have I always? No, definitely not. Do I do it every day? Almost. I would say I do it almost every day. I start in the morning. I do it during the day and I do it at night before I go to bed. I would say it's rarely a day goes by that I do not practice gratitude in some way, shape or form. It could be gratitude that the lights turn green because I was in a rush to get somewhere. So I, I pay close attention to anything I can see in my surroundings during the day that I can be grateful for. It doesn't have to be major. It can be as simple as that. So um, the cultivating gratitude and joy is about letting go of scarcity and fear of the dark. So fear of the dark was something that I had to look at. So letting go of scarcity... She talks in the book that letting go of scarcity is when we hold too tight onto the joyous moments. When we're holding on so tight to something, you know what that feels like? You're just, you're squeezing it. You can't get enough of it. But what that does is it doesn't let you to allow the emotion of just being in that moment and experiencing the joy that you're feeling in that moment. Because we're holding on so tight, we don't want it to go. When we hold on to it so tight, it it can't penetrate us as much. We can't appreciate the moment. We hold on to it because we're scared to let it go. So the fear of the dark and letting go of that was really how I interpret it coming from her, from the book, is we can't enjoy the fear when we're, or we can't, sorry, we can't enjoy the experience of joy when all we're thinking about is maybe this is too good to be true, or I can't believe that I get to have this in my life, or um, it's going to go, I'm never going to have this again. We're, we're constantly thinking in the fear instead of being in that place of love, love and gratitude. You get to experience the joy and they are moments. Joy is is fleeting moments. And when we can just try to practice being in that moment, that joy, we're actually going to remember even more how that feels in our body because we are more present. So cultivating gratitude and joy, letting go of the scarcity and the fear of the dark. That's number four. Number five. Cultivating intuition and trusting faith. Mm. Letting go of the need for certainty. Oh, this is a big one. This is this is, I love talking about this one because we are so addicted to certainty that it actually paralyzes us from trying something new. Because if we're uncertain of what the outcome is going to be, sometimes we're not willing to try it. We as a society are addicted to certainty we are certain that uh, you know the time of six o'clock is when the news is going to be on that's a certainty we know that's going to happen there are many things in our life that we are certain of but there are so many more things out there for us to explore when we can let go of the certainty of it and go in knowing it's uncertain but We've got the ability to change our mind. We've got the ability to adapt, to shift, to pivot, to go in a different direction. Uncertainty is something that excites me. It scares me a little. Nothing wrong with that. Um, But it expands me. It It makes me want to learn more, to grow. And life would be so boring if every single thing was certain. So... I say tap into that one a little bit, do something that you're not certain what the outcome is going to be and see if you like it. And if you don't like it, don't do it again. If you like it, maybe you're going to explore more. So I love that one. Trusting our intuition, getting quiet, listening to what um, we're hearing, listening to what the nudges are that we're Been given every day. We have nudges to do certain things. It's our choice if we choose to follow those nudges. But once we start to trust our intuition, we're going to start trusting those nudges. That's going to put us into a whole new um, level of expansion. Number six, I have to hurry, Um, cultivating creativity and letting go of comparison. This is great. I just had this conversation this morning. And we talked about the comparison is the thief of joy. So we go through our lives and what we're doing with the comparison or comparing ourselves to others, comparing ourselves to what someone else is doing, where they're traveling, how much they weigh, how good they look. We're comparing all the time. And what that does is it robs us of our joy. What it also does is it... Um, blocks our creativity. And I really, really like this guidepost because our creativity is magical. It is a gift. It is it is a gift that everybody has that most people don't realize they have. If somebody were to ask me if I was a creative person, I'd say, hands down, no way. I don't draw. I, I wish I could paint. I can't paint. Um, so creative and me were just two things that I never even put together what I realized was I was blocking my creativity um with the thoughts I was saying in my head and, and the words I was speaking to myself Oh, I'm not creative I can't paint I, all those things I was saying were things that I couldn't do that was blocking it when you're comparing it blocks it because why would I paint when there's so many amazing painters out there why would I why would I do anything ever there's somebody out there that's doing it better than I am that robs us from of that, of experiencing that joy. So it also, when we can cultivate creativity, what that does, oh my goodness, it opens up our imagination. It allows us to dream again. It allows us to broaden our our horizons, knowing that there is nothing that is out of reach for us. We just have to be able to imagine it. So I talk about this a lot when I'm talking about manifestation. Imagination is the most powerful tool that we have. And that goes into creativity. Number seven, cultivating play and rest. So letting go of exhaustion as a status symbol and productivity as self-worth. Wow, that is a big one. Um, That's always been, I don't know if it's been an excuse, but if there was something that was happening or how are you doing when somebody asks you that, um, I get it all the time it's like oh my god I'm exhausted I'm so tired I've been running like crazy why are you saying that and I'm not saying you I'm, I'm taking this as myself and the the examples she uses in the book there is something that we attach our worthiness to being busy because if we're busy it means that we're being productive and we're doing stuff and and We aren't sitting around not doing anything. So it's something that we attach to our worthiness. So if somebody says, you know, like I just said, how are you doing? I'm so busy. I've got got so many things going on, blah, blah, blah. I can't catch my breath. Just stop yourself when you hear yourself saying that. Because you may be using it as a piece to validate your self-worth. If you're not doing those things, if you're not busy, Maybe you, f- you feel worthless. Just That's just something to take a look at because it's a status, right? It is a status when we say um, how busy we are. The world is built on people being busy and rushing around. What if the next time somebody asks you how you're doing, say, I'm doing pretty good. I've got a lot of time on my hands. I'm really taking care of myself. I've actually carved out some time to journal this week. It's been great. Can you feel... How much calmer that is and that we can be proud of that, that we've done something for ourselves and taken some time instead of having to be in this busy, crazy world. And, you know, everybody's stressed out and no, you know what you just did for that person on the other side who asked you that question, you gave them a chance to just stop for a second and breathe. Maybe they're going to take a look at, yeah, maybe I don't have to be so busy or maybe I don't have to say I'm so busy. Maybe not say it. See what that feels like in your body. Um, so play and rest, letting go the, of the exhaustion, but incorporating more play, incorporating more rest. I don't. I think we got um, sidetracked on the play when we started to become older. We stopped playing. Yeah, how many times have you walked by a park and sat on the swings and and just swing or got on the teeter totter? <laughs> It's just play. We we are surrounded by opportunities to do that. But a lot of times we don't do it. Why? Because we are worried about how we're going to be perceived by somebody. It could be how we are going to be perceived by somebody walking down the street if we get on the swing set and swing. Like, why does that matter? Why do we care? That goes back to one of the other guideposts. Why do we care so much about what other people think? Incorporate play, have more fun and incorporate rest. It should be something that we put in our calendars or put alerts on our phone or reminders. What are we going to do to play today? And I'm sure there are many examples that you can come up with, with what that is and to rest, maybe take five minutes and just breathe. We just need to give ourselves more time for that. Okay. Number eight, cultivating calm and stillness, letting go of anxiety as a lifestyle. I think that kind of feeds into what I was saying in in number seven, that, that always on that always going, that always having something that they've got to get to next or rushing around or filling up our calendars and our schedules has to do with numbing ourselves. And it also has to do with our the rise in anxiety that we're a lot of people are feeling. Um That also the anxiety stops our creativity. We're not allowing ourselves to do that. All of this goes into our creativity and blocking it. So calm and stillness. Another thing that I practice, this does not have to be meditation. It can be sitting down for five minutes, a cup of tea, taking some breaths, just Being still. Give your body a break. Let it relax. You deserve that. You are worthy of that. It does not make you a lazy person because you've sat down and taken five minutes for yourself. Calm and stillness, extremely important. Number nine, cultivating meaningful work. Letting go of self-doubt and supposed to. Okay, every single one of us has gifts. And we all have talents. And if we can share that with whoever wants it to be shared with them, that is a gift that we're giving. And you know what that feels like to give a gift? It feels good. And every one of us has a gift. And sometimes we don't acknowledge that gift because why? We don't think we're enough. What if you just started? What if you did something that made you feel fulfilled? If you let go of the self-doubt, worry about what other people think and give that to yourself, that's self-compassion. The supposed to, oh my goodness, how many of us deal with this? I'm supposed to do this. I'm supposed to be here. Who are you supposed to be doing anything for? You decide what you get to do. You decide that now you have the power to say yes or to say no. Resentment, no resentment. Not worrying about being accepted or approved, standing in your power of authenticity will make you not resent or regret something that you've done when you know that it's your authentic self doing it. And number 10, cultivating laughter, song, and dance and letting go of being cool and always in control. I I realize that I definitely did that. I think I I was. A clown when it came to being with my friends, having fun, always the one that was willing to do something, make myself look stupid, didn't care, loved it. For some reason, I did not do that as much with my kids. I do look back and regret that because I didn't get to see the silly mom, the mom that was having fun, the one was that was letting go of worrying what anybody thought about her. I do that more now that they're older because I'm more confident in myself. But I didn't allow myself to do that with them because I always felt like I needed to be in control. So to be able to let go of that, not worrying if you're looking cool or not, not worrying if somebody's looking at you in the grocery store when you pick up two melons and go like this, whatever it is, (laughs) that's being silly. Just do something that makes you happy. So you're, even if it's in the kitchen and you're turning up music and you're dancing and everyone's grabbing the wooden spoons, just that feeling of joy that we can actually make those moments ourselves. And it doesn't matter how we look. It matters how we feel. So I'm going to have to end this because I'm out of time. I'm going to end it with the um, thing in the book that says, um, wholehearted living is living a life of worthiness and being fulfilled by the very decision that you are more than enough in spite of your imperfection and vulnerabilities by cultivating courage compassion, and connection. Those are the gifts of imperfection. So thank you so much for being here. Uh, Next week, uh, I've got uh, something on happiness. Emily Medill is going to come and share a lot of her work. So I'm looking forward to that. And if you don't know, or if you don't remember, please know that you're more than enough as is. And I hope to see you next week. Thank you so much for being here. Bye-bye.